Thank you so much and welcome to our brand new series, The Power of Everyone. And today I want to kick it off by looking at the power of everyone devoted. Trust you'd agree with me that amazing things happen in life when a group of people are all devoted and united around pursuing a common cause. We see it, for example, in nature. Have you ever seen an army of ants gathering food? Amazing sight. Or a swarm of bees protecting their hive. Or a flock of geese, how they work together in unison to form that perfect V formation. One of my favorites is the emperor penguins in the Antarctica and how they, they also move around, everyone doing their part, devoted to keeping each other warm. What we see in nature, we also see in sport, don't we? I mean, for those of you into rugby, what power there is in a scrum when all eight members of the scrum are pulling their weight, focused on the, the common cause. Um, we, we've got to talk, haven't we, if we're talking about sport, about Leicester City Football Club. I mean, what an incredible team story that is. Around this time a year ago, they were bottom of the Premier League, and now, with a squad that's worth a fraction of many of the more famous teams, they're either at or near the top of the Premier League. Some people think they might even win it. Leicester City, can you believe it? So some of us, some of us wonder, you know, how's this happened? Is it because Kingsgate Leicester are now there and praying? Some of us have wondered. Is it a coincidence? Well, if that's the case, then you guys in Leicester got far more faith than we have because in Peterborough and in Cambridge, we've been playing for years and it's done posh no good at all. And as for Cambridge United, well, so I don't think it can be to do with that. In fact, most commentators say it's down to one simple thing. Here's a group. Without loads of superstars, but right from the start of the season, they've had incredible team ethic. Everybody has been doing their part. And so as they've all been working together, they've tapped into an incredible principle, the power when everyone is devoted. No sulky superstars off not playing their part. Every single one passionate for the cause. Well, of course, what's true in nature, what's true in sport is also true through history. Great um, things have been accomplished when you have a group of people devoted around a single cause. And if we bring it right down to where we are, here at Kingsgate Church family across our different centers, as I look back over 27 years, Aside from the amazing grace and favor and love of God, of course, which is the, the power behind everything else that's happening. If I was to pick out one thing that I would look at and say, this is why God has blessed us. I believe it's because we have the power of an amazingly devoted group of people. But how many want that journey to continue? Last week I talked, didn't I, in Vision Sunday about it was like we're at half time. So today we're entering into the second half and we can look back and we can say, what a great first half. Well, let's look ahead to the, the, the second half. And this time it's going to require every one of us who played our part in the first half to keep on going. Thank you for what you've done. Keep on going. Let's be devoted. But then also, this is a call to everybody, to everyone you can be involved. 
You don't have to stay on the sidelines. You don't have to remain a spectator. It may be your very first time in church. Maybe you're still even checking Christ out. I want to tell you there's a place on the team for you. And we can experience in an even greater dimension the power of everyone. So what we're going to do over the next few weeks to inspire us, we're going to look at the, if you like, the greatest winning team that we can see anywhere in history. We go right back to the very beginning of the first church in Jerusalem. 2,000 years ago, it's led by a group of apostles who had been with Jesus. They'd witnessed the great leader, the great Messiah, the great Savior in action. They'd seen him die on a cross. And then after three days, they started meeting him alive from the dead. And then they see him ascend to the Father. And then here we have this group, now including 120, waiting for the Spirit to come that they might carry on this greatest cause of all, the mission of Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit falls on them in Acts chapter 2. And they all get filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter, one of the apostles, gets up, preaches a message about the Spirit and about Jesus. And as he finishes his message, 3,000, say 3,000. 3,000 people respond to Christ on that one day and get baptized and added to the church. How many think that's pretty special church growth? Church that's grown from 120 to 3,120 in one day. But what I love about this story is that the devotion that's there at the heart with the leaders and the core before Pentecost, carrying on onto the day of Pentecost, is, um, as it were, imparted to the whole church. So here I have a sense that the whole church, passionate and involved. Let's quickly read this account of this early church in Acts 2, 42, 47. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Notice this little phrase, everyone. Can you say that? Everyone. Everyone, That's the whole company. Was filled with awe. Many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers. Here we have it again. This is the power of everyone. All the believers were together and had everything in common, sending their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What a winning team! Sense of awe! Miracles, needs being met, community, joy, favor, people being added to their number on a daily basis. But at the heart of their success, if I can put it like that, is verse 42. They devoted themselves to four things. The apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. And in this whole sense of looking at the power of everyone, this week I want to focus in on the power of what it means for everyone to be devoted. Can we say that word, devoted? Now, what does it mean to be devoted? Well, I've come up with a little formula to try and just simply explain it. Devotion equals two things, passion and perseverance. Passion and perseverance. Let me start with passion. It's so important that if we are going to be devoted, we understand the power of 
passion. When I first became a Christian, nobody had to come and tell me to be passionate for Jesus. I got radically saved. Short while later, I received the Holy Spirit. And sure, I've had people mentor me and strengthen me and teach me along the way. But there was an inner motivation that was a response to how good God had been to me and to how much he'd saved me and a knowledge of the call of God on my life. And that's what we see here in Acts. You see, these people, they, they were Jews who got converted on that day. They were so thrilled at what, at what had happened. Bear in mind, they'd been looking for centuries as a, as, a, as a Jewish people for the Messiah to come. And then finally, here's Peter saying, he's here. <laughs> he's died for you. He's alive. He's at the right hand of the Father. And they turn in their thousands to Jesus, the Messiah. Start following him. And then they have the power of the Holy Spirit come on them. Do you know, when we know who Jesus really is and how he really is the Messiah, the only true hope for not just our lives, but for the whole of humanity. And we understand and we receive the personal empowering of the Holy Spirit. Guess what the result is? Passion. Fire. (laughs) And so it's important that we... Uh, that, that we re- receive fresh fire from the Lord. Passion gets us going. But you know, we need to ally to passion perseverance. Can we say that? Perseverance. We live in a culture today, don't we? Where there's a celebration of the immediate. The buzz. The quick fix. People naturally flit around from one thing to another. We have a world full of choices. And the problem with that, if that creeps into our value system and particularly into our Christian life, we're in danger. Because to be a Christian doesn't mean we just flit in and out. It means we are people who persevere. Can I have an amen from somebody? See, the Christian life is not a sprint, it's a marathon. We're not a people of the quick fix. We're a people for the long haul. Literally, this word devoted that appears in Acts 2.42, in in the original Greek, actually has a strong connotation here. It means to persevere, to be loyal, to be persistent. So when it says they devoted themselves, there was an inner motivation, there was passion, but that passion translated in an ongoing persistence perseverance, loyalty. They were loyal to Jesus and they were persistent with the things of Jesus. Can I say, if we're going to be like them, if we're going to enjoy a great second half, Kingsgate, it doesn't matter so much what, where we've been, it matters the attitude and where we're going. So let's be people who are passionate and persistent. And then let's look at their example. What were they persevering or passionate about? Four things. Firstly, they were devoted to, they were passionate and persistent or persevering with their devotion to the apostles' teaching, to the apostles' teaching. Or we could put it simply to say that if we are going to be wholehearted, fully devoted Christians, the first priority is we need to be a people devoted to the Word of God, devoted to the Word of God. In, In that context, the apostles' Again, they were people, they were, they were Jews by background, who had a vast and significant understanding of the Old Testament. 
And if you just look back earlier in the chapter at Peter's sermon, Peter's sermon is filled with references to the Old Testament. Most of us, nearly all of us, are not from a Jewish background. We, we, were, not, we were not steeped in the Old Testament. Many of us grew up with a whole bunch of other stuff other than the Bible shaping our world, world value system. You agree? And so when we come to Christ, and as we grow in Christ, we need to realize that our whole value system needs to be reshaped with a biblical worldview. That's why we encourage people not just to pick little bits of the Bible that they immediately get, but to get the whole Bible in. That's why we try and encourage you as much as possible to read the whole Bible. Is it always easy to understand? No. But there's all kinds of aids and, 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 and guides so that we can understand the Bible. But if we are to be people of the apostles who, who'd like them devoted to the apostles' teaching, we need to broaden our worldview with an understanding of the whole Bible. But then what really was at the center of the teaching of these apostles was a focus in on the person and work of Jesus Christ as the fulfillment of all the promises of the Old Testament. And so if we're going to be a people of the Word, it means we are the people who understand the whole Bible, who live according to the whole Bible, but particularly, if you like, we see the rest of the Bible through a Christ-centered lens. Would you agree with me that Jesus Christ needs to be central? In all our devotion, in all our preaching, in all our doctrine, in all our lifestyle. We are followers, not just of a, a book, we are followers of the person of Jesus Christ, the living Word of God. Amen? Now what, what does that mean? Well, it means that we have, through the Bible, now recorded for us Old and New Testament. In that book, we have the world's greatest message you know, it's the message that's going to change our lives. It's the message of how a good creator God has come to rescue his people, to rescue the whole of creation through his son, Jesus Christ. And we get to be part of it. It's the world's greatest message. So Kingsgate, if we're going to continue, if we're going to have a great second half, if we're going to keep pursuing God's plan for lives individually and collectively, can I give you this encouragement? Let's keep on committing to the world's greatest message. Why don't we say that all together? Let's keep on committing to the world's greatest message. What does that look like? Well, it looks like for many of us, keep on going daily, reading and reflecting on the Word. It means let's keep on going Sunday by Sunday. Let's, let's not be all about, well, oh, it wasn't very exciting today. No, but is it true? It's not about whether it's exciting about, is it true? What's God saying to me? You see, to be devoted to the Word is not about information, it's about revelation, impartation, and transformation. What am I going to do and shape my life around what God says to me as I read the Bible, as I hear preaching? That's why we do it in life groups together, because we want to be doers of the Word and not just hearers only. So let's not become dulled in our hearing. Let's not become complacent. Let's be devoted to the apostles' teaching. Why don't we just lift up our hands and thank God for his word. Father, we thank you, Lord, for a history that we've had as the people of the word. People, and together, Lord, we want to redevote ourselves, recommit ourselves to aligning our whole lives in the line with your teaching and your truth. 
Thank you, Lord, that when we know the truth, the truth will set us free. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Second thing we need to be devoted to as they were is the fellowship. Fellowship. The word fellowship here comes from a Greek word that has the sense of having things in common or shared. Following it through into the teachings of the Apostle Paul, the number one picture for the church was of a body. Jesus the head and Christians, fellow Christians, are members of the body. I don't know about you, but I'm glad when I woke up this morning and decided to come to the meeting today that my legs and my hands and my feet and the rest of the body, my body all came together. Are you glad about that too? I mean, it would be slightly strange if they didn't, didn't they? Because normally, when we're healthy, uh, all the members of our body just... They don't have to be told to work together. They work together because they're part of a body. Yeah, they're designed that way. Can I say, church, we were designed to work together. <laughs> we were designed to be better together. <laughs> we were designed to function together. So church is not just something. Well, I think about it this morning. Shall I go to church? No, you're part of the church. And if you're missing, you're missed. It's gone very quiet here. <laughs> Isn't, church is not just something, well... Is it television? Is it car boot sale? Is it a lion or church? Now let me think. No, no. We're, we're, we're the people who are together. This is a priority. The, the church is glorious. The church is actually, the fellowship is the world's greatest community. Right now, there's over 2 billion people making up this great community. But it's also made up of local churches all across the planet. I have the increasing privilege of traveling and encouraging and spending time with leaders of great local churches and networks of local churches. And I want to just celebrate the fact, even here in the UK, in the 21st century, there are many great local churches up and down the land who are seeking to honor God, build community, and share the love and good news of Jesus Christ in their towns, villages, and cities. Thank God for the local church. Jesus is alive and well in his church today. Listen to the words from Bill Hybels. He says, there's nothing like the local church when it's working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. It comforts the grieving and heals the broken in the context of community. It builds bridges to seekers and opens its arms to the forgotten, the downtrodden, and the disillusioned. It breaks the chains of addictions, frees the oppressed, and offers belonging to the marginalized of this world. The potential of the local church is almost more than I can grasp. This is the world's greatest community. So, if that's the case, I want to celebrate the fact that right here in Kingsgate local church, in our different locations, we have seen a great journey because of the incredible contribution, the sharing together, the pooling of resources, the pitching in with love and actions of first two people, then ten, then, then hundred, then hundreds of people who are partnering together to see the fellowship become strong in all that God has for her to be. So can I encourage us, second encouragement today, let's keep on contributing to the world's 
greatest community, the local church. Let's consider, can, can we, those of us who are already giving, let's consider what it means to give again. In the context of Acts, they're sharing together. If you jump over into verse 45, included a radical sharing of their resources together. This was not modern-day individualism. This was a sense of they belonged together and they shared their finances. And again, just a thank you to all of you who are pitching in and helping to contribute financially to all that we're involved in in Kingsgate. And a heads up over the next few weeks to seek God as to how he would have us contribute again, both in regular giving and ongoing giving. But I want to specifically focus in just for a moment on the fact that we can contribute through the giving of our time and our talents, God-given gifts that we can invest in the, the, the church of Jesus Christ. You know, across this, the board, I could give literally dozens and dozens of testimonies of incredible second-mile people who are serving the king in this local church. They're all around in all, in all our locations. I just want to give one testimony that I had in of a, a young guy called David who's a fourth and final year engineering student at one of the Cambridge colleges. He's on a very demanding course. And yet, apparently, he spends 15 to 20 hours serving the local church. But what I love is not just what he does, but the attitude and the way he does it. He serves with such a brilliant spirit and attitude. He smiles. He seems to be enjoying life. Listen to his words. He says, I know I cannot earn Daddy God's affection through service, but when I serve, I get to see what he's doing and work with him. What a great attitude. I get to help build his house here on earth. I get to spend time with him and know him more intimately. I get to be a part of every life that is transformed, not just in Kingsgate, but by the global church. He concludes, this life is so short. I know that when I stand before the Lord at the end of it all, I won't regret a single minute that I spent serving him and bringing him glory. Let's just thank God for people like David all across Kingsgate. What I love there, it's not drudgery. It's not, oh, I have to serve. He's like, I get to do this. Here's a young man with incredible future and potential. And yet, for him, he's saying, I get to do this. I get to be involved in contributing to the world's greatest community of the local church. I get to partner with my father. You can look excited. I get to be involved in transforming other people's lives. And on the final day when I come before the Father, I know that I'm not going to regret a single minute of it. I love it. You see, when, when you're in a smaller center like Cambridge, it's kind of, it's maybe more obvious that, we need, that everyone needs to play their part. Especially so in Kingsgate Leicester now. That's incredible. Almost everybody's mobilized, involved. In Peterborough, we have an incredible amount of brilliant people serving, but it's somehow kind of easier to think that there's not a place for you on the team. 
But can I say it's not like football or sport where there's only a set number of, you know, as as a football team succeeds, there's only 11 members. I don't care how successful. In church, there's constant growth. There's constant maturing. There are always more needs because we are in a never-ending quest to see lives transformed by the power of God's love. Can I say, there's a place on the team for you. Every single one can play their part. So, Devoted to the apostles' teaching, devoted to fellowship. Thirdly, it says they were devoted to the breaking of bread. That's an interesting little phrase. Lots of debate in the commentaries about what that phrase, the breaking of bread, means. Well, one of the things that helps is if we read on a few verses to Acts 2.46, it says this. They broke bread, so that's our theme. They broke bread where? In their homes... And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So the first thing we could say here is they devoted themselves to eating. How many think that sounds fun? (laughs) But actually, they didn't just say they devoted themselves to eating. They devoted themselves to eating together. There's something for those of you who have ever been to the Middle East. And again, in many parts of Europe, there's there's still a much greater sense of the joy of eating together. It's wonderful. Much more sense of family and community. And I, I, can I just say, I think we need to recover some of that. Some of the most memorable meetings, encounters I've had with other Christians and indeed with the Lord is when we've ate together. So let, let's do that through our life group settings, through friendships. Let's have the joy of eating together. But as well as celebrating eating together in their homes, I believe that it's looking back There's a reference here in the breaking of bread to the greatest meal that was ever shared. It's just before the cross. It's at Passover time, and Jesus is there with his small group. And in the middle of the celebration of the Jewish festival of Passover, where they remember the deliverance from Egypt, Jesus stunningly takes the bread the middle of the meal, and says, breaks it, and says, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then it says, after supper, he took the cup, and he says, this blood, this cup, is the blood of the new covenant, shed for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And so when it says they broke bread, they devoted themselves to breaking bread. Yes, there was eating together, but there was also a constant practice of remembering and celebrating the world's greatest sacrifice. Can I exhort us here at Kingsgate, both in our homes, but also from time to time, as it were, all together on Sundays or in touching heaven meetings. Let's keep on celebrating the world's greatest sacrifice. Amen? Let's keep the cross of Jesus central. Let's remind ourselves what he's done for us. Our theme is devoted. Can I say the number one motivation for us being devoted is a constant reminder of his ultimate act of devotion towards us. We can say our passion is inspired by his passion. 
for every single one of us. And you see, life can be tough. Do you know that? Of course you do. The Christian life has challenges. Jesus never told us it would be an easy journey. We're called to be disciples. We're called to take up our cross and follow him the whole way. And so we need to be reminded and we need to be encouraged to continue to devote ourselves with passion and perseverance, don't we? How many could do with some encouragement to keep on pressing on? Well, the writer of the Hebrews writes to a group of Christians who were probably facing persecution. And in the heat of the battle, it seems as if there was a temptation to back off, to turn back, to stop following Christ. And so, by the time we get to chapter 12, he uses this language. He says this, Let us run with perseverance. Or we could say devotion, yeah? That's our theme. Let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Do you know the race he's talking about? He's not referring to a 100-meter sprint. He's basically referring to the ancient marathon. Most likely the marathon. Long-term race. Guess what? Our race starts from the moment we become a Christian and it continues all the way to when either we die or Jesus comes back. And can I say, a passion in my heart as, if you like, the pastor of this local church with many other pastors and leaders. We don't just want you to step across the line and start the race. The passion of our heart, more to the point, the passion of Jesus' heart is that you make it all the way to the end. That's the goal. Come on. He wants us to run the race and keep on going. There's something about devotion that means we don't just start out with enthusiasm. We continue journeying. And I believe one of the great things about this church is we've got people who've been here for decades. People not just in their 20s fired up, but people in their 60s, 70s and 80s who are saying, I'm going to be faithful right to the end. And so with this race in mind, it's an idea that we're on the track. It's a long journey. We may, like marathon runners, hit some pain barriers that we have to go through, yeah? We may injure ourselves in the journey, but he's saying, ah, yeah, you may have been injured, but keep on going. So when I got hurt, keep on going. <laughs> so how? Sometimes it's so hard to keep on going. Well, look at what he says. He says, as you keep running this marathon race, do one thing particularly. Do this. How do we keep on going? Fixing our eyes. Where? Not to the right and left. Well, everybody else is. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Well, so-and-so, don't worry about so-and-so. Fix our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Let's keep looking at Jesus. He's gone before. He's run the race ahead of us. He's been devoted. And then he particularly tells us to fix our eyes on this. For the joy set before him, he did what? Endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And every time we take communion, every time we break bread, we're reminding ourselves Jesus is not just our saviour, he's our great example to keep on devoted and run the race to its completion in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let's keep on celebrating. Let's keep on reminding ourselves of the cross. And then fourth and finally, and, and quickly, <laughs> let's be devoted to the fourth thing, which is prayer. Say prayer. When it comes to prayer, Jesus is the great example, isn't he? He lived his earthly life constantly communicating, connecting with his Father God, the world's greatest Father. He taught his disciples, you know, who had been used to prayer. They were Jews, they knew about prayer, but what was different was he says, now you're to pray our Father in heaven. And so it's no real surprise then that after Jesus ascended and before the day of Pentecost, we see the first thing and the priority of these early Christians was this. It says in Acts 1 verse 14, all these, say all, this is everyone, power of everyone. This was not just a group of passionate intercessors and everyone else was sitting around. This is all, <laughs> all these were with one accord, devoting, that's exactly the same word as in Acts 2 verse 42, devoting themselves to prayer. I love it, they're praying for 10 days. That's non-stop. They've got prayer seasons. We have prayer seasons in Kingsgate. You know, God loves prayer seasons. And at the end of that 10 days, Holy Spirit falls. 3,000 get added. But what I love about Acts 2.42 is the same passion and devotion for prayer that was there, if you like, in the original core is there with the rest of the believers because it says they all devoted themselves to prayer. Do you know, Kingsgate was birthed in prayer. Shortly after I became a Christian, I went on a journey and the Lord taught me about how to develop a life of prayer. And so it was obvious and natural and the first thing we did, one of the first priorities when we started Kingsgate was we wanted to found it on prayer, a devotion to prayer. And I'm thrilled to say that 27 years on, we've been faithful to that call. We're still a praying, amen? Just last year, 2015, how many enjoyed some of the seasons of prayer we had focused around the prayer of Jabez? Wasn't that wonderful? Do you notice what happened as we all started? It's like we were praying the rest of the year, but then suddenly we taught on Jabez. Everyone focused on it. We started seeing incredible miracles. It's like we were all beginning to connect in a different way. All going for it, all together, power of everyone, praying. And we started seeing miracles of healing and salvation and finances and families being restored and people coming to Christ in a greater measure. We did it again in the autumn. That was yesterday. How many know that yesterday's, yesterday's isn't good for today? We need to keep on, yeah? So can I encourage us in 2016, let's keep on connecting with the world's greatest father. Right now, right in this season, in the spring, we're going to have another prayer season. I'm going to, and the team, we're going to teach right the way through the Lord's Prayer. We're going to have another 40 days of prayer season. Get ready, get ready for what God's going to do. But we don't have to wait till then. Right now, we're going into three days of prayer and fasting. We started this run and this pattern of prayer and fasting, as many of you know, right back in September 1999. 
That's over 16 years. Sometimes I get leaders asking me, you know, how important do you think prayer and fasting has been to the journey here? My response is, I'm not sure, but I don't want to find out by a stopping. See, to be devoted doesn't mean we just, we prayed, we pray and we keep on praying. Oh great, we got some breakthroughs, fantastic. Well, let's have some more. We've seen a measure of the kingdom of God come and the will of God be done as we keep putting our foot down in prayer. Let's keep on going. How many know there's so many more lives that need to be transformed? There's so much more that we need of the invasion of God's glory in our lives and in our land, yeah? So we're going to keep on being devoted to prayer. Those of you who never fasted before, this is for everybody. So, oh, I don't know about that. Well, start with a meal. You won't die. I mean, check out medically, but you won't die if you miss a meal. Probably be good for you anyway. But then don't just be hungry. Seek God during that time. Or maybe if you, it's, no, I want to fast a day. Many of us, we just go again, do the whole three days. And as we come together, as we seek God, as we pray through the prayer sheets, as we come to the prayer meetings, in homes and in life groups, as we're all together gathering and then we, we all come together in a touching heaven evening, guess what's going to happen? God's going to come. His will is going to be done in a stronger way. Let's keep on devoting ourselves to prayer. Apostles teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and I want to finish by telling you an exciting story about a group of Christians in the 1730s. At the time, many historians, particularly church historians, looking at the state of the land would say spiritually and morally, if anything, it was in a UK was in a worse state then in the 1730s than it is today. There's a group of young men in Oxford, led by a guy called John Wesley along with his brother Charles, a guy called George Whitfield, and many others. Some were undergraduates, some were, were university dons, and they got together and they said, we're going to make a difference. And together, they started devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. They started studying and meditating on and memorizing and Aligning their whole lives. We want to be the Jesus people. We want to live according to Jesus' way of doing things. And they started devoting themselves to fellowship. They were regular in attendance at church services, but they also started gathering together, sharing their lives and their resources, serving one another in, in small groups. Radical accountability discipleship groups. And then they, they were devoted to the breaking of bread. Devoted to taking communion. And they were also devoted to prayer. And as they start doing this, they all start getting converted. They all start getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And the fire starts spreading. There's one momentous occasion. New Year's Day, 1739. It's an all-night prayer meeting. They're calling on God. Asking for Him to change, their, change the nation. Early hours of the morning, they're still going. And as they're praying, suddenly, say suddenly, suddenly, just like on or similar to the day of Pentecost, 1700 or so years earlier, the Holy Spirit fell in that room. 
They were overcome with the power of God. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they went out and they started changing the nation. They started going up and down the land, preaching the gospel, caring for the poor, seeing lives transformed. But what I love about this story is they didn't just do it for a day or for a week or for a month or for a year. Decade after decade, they devoted themselves to Christ and to his cause. I spent seven years studying one of that group, George Whitfield. Decades later, he's still giving his life for the cause of Christ. The leader, John Wesley, lives till he's 87. Still in his 80s, he's fired up for Jesus. He preaches estimated 40,000 sermons. I'm getting tired at the thought. (laughs) And he didn't. He preached all across this land and into other nations. He didn't go up and down this land by plane or by car or by boat. He did it on horse. That sounds so painful. He traveled 250,000 miles on horseback. And together, they kept going. Together, they kept devoted. And as a result, first tens, then hundreds, then thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, eventually millions of people start getting converted. The whole spiritual climate of the nation starts getting changed. And others like William Wilberforce and social reformers of the next generation jump on their shoulders and start changing the society as we know it. Our nation was changed because a small group of men said, we're going to be devoted to Christ and his cause. Here we are now. We need a move of God in our land. We need a move of God in our cities. Think what God could do with a group who say, we are going to stay devoted. The word from last week, I ended on a prophetic word, Kingsgate, we're at the early stages of our journey. I don't know fully what the Lord's got in store for us, but one thing I do know, if we'll stay devoted and every single one of us comes on board, he can do great and mighty things in and through us and many like-minded believers and churches all across our land and across the nations. The kingdom of God's going to come and the will of God's going to be done and Jesus can come back. Hallelujah. And we're, we're going to bring many people with us for eternity. I need to finish. Father, I want, want to thank you so much for your amazing call on our lives. Thank you, Lord, that the will of God is being done. The kingdom of God is being done in our lives. But we're praying for so much more. So we pray, Lord, right now, let your fire come on every single one of us. We want to be devoted to the greatest cause of all. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.